This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, presented by ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com. I am Rafael Di Furia, here with Italian attorney and head of the Italian Citizenship Assistance offices in America, Marco Permunian, coming here to visit us here in Italy. In today's video podcast, we're going to be discussing something that we touched on in the first edition of this video podcast, Italian citizenship through a judicial case, often referred to as a 1948 case. Uh, As we mentioned in that first episode, uh, this is a situation that can come up when a family line goes through a female ancestor who gave birth to her child before January 1st, 1948. But let's get a little bit further into it from an Italian legal expert, our very own Marco Permunian. So Marco, what would you say is the biggest difference between Italian citizenship by descent, a jure sanguinis, normal going through the consulate or uh, through uh, an Italian comune, a municipality like we spoke about last time, versus going through a 1948 case. Whenever there is a woman in your Italian line and her child was born prior to 1948, regardless of the fact that this woman was born in Italy or born in the U.S. but with the right to Italian citizenship. In those cases, the descendants of the child of this woman technically do not qualify for Italian citizenship. However, um, these people can get Italian citizenship quite easily, I'd say, by petitioning the court in Italy. So if you have a case falling in this category, you can petition the court in Italy and get Italian citizenship despite the fact that you technically, under Italian law, do not qualify for Italian citizenship. Um, A lot of people find that this is a bit off-putting to have to go to court, hire a lawyer, and like, this is a big deal, like, oh goodness, what am I getting myself into? And it seems a lot more daunting than it really actually is. In some ways, it can be a bit more direct than a normal jure sanguinis case, even though it's a different way of going about citizenship. Exactly. So, um, as you said, a lot of people are intimidated by this process, but in the end, it's not that big of a deal. You know, you petition the court, you argue that uh, you're entitled to Italian citizenship, and if your arguments are solid, like if there are no issues, you'll get Italian citizenship, sometimes even more quickly than people applying for citizenship the traditional way, like people applying for citizenship through an Italian consulate. For example, people living in LA right now who have to wait almost two and a half years to just get an appointment. Uh, it may be easier to just have a 1948 case and you would get citizenship much sooner. This is something that you've seen a lot of the successful cases that can come from this and seeing both sides of Italian citizenship through by descent at a consulate or applying here in Italy versus um, at uh, going through the courts. Um, and one thing that we've spoken about before is that uh, when going through a comune or consulate is that while there is one set of rules, Uh, At times, it seems as though it's almost a bit more laid out 
when you're going through a 1948 case and that it's it's not law on the books. Let's say that uh, from my experience, uh, I've noticed that um, courts and Italian judges, they're much more flexible when reviewing the documents that you submit to support your case. So even if there are discrepancies and inconsistencies in your documents, as long as the identity of the individuals is not in, the individuals in your Italian line is not in question, then your case will be successful. Whereas when you apply at the consulate or at the comune, the traditional way, if you want to call it that right. way, you need to be a little bit more careful right. because as we said the other time, uh, discrepancies, like major discrepancies may affect the outcome of your application. Whereas if you're applying, if, if you petition the court, then discrepancies, they kind of do not matter that much anymore. When you are pursuing citizenship via the court system, judges, they look at the, the other cases. Even if in Italy, the you know legal precedent is not legally binding for the other judges, but yet they do look at the other cases to, like if people are successful, with similar cases to yours, then you're more likely to get citizenship. But is it guaranteed? No, uh, because of the nature of this process, meaning it's a lawsuit, so it's never a guaranteed process. Uh, you're making your arguments, you are seeking Italian citizenship in court, and if there are enough legal precedents, then you will get Italian citizenship, but it's not 100% guaranteed. But would you say that it's more likely than not to have a successful judicial case or? No, people are being successful. People are being very successful. So let's say that yes, in the vast majority of the cases, uh, it is a successful process. In just a minority of cases are not being successful. One thing before maybe we get deeper into the differences and what really sets a 1948 case apart and really um, more about that process. What are the similarities between a traditional Jure Sanguinis um, petition and going through the courts for a 1948 case? Well, both processes require that you collect documents, so the documents to support your application on one hand or your citizenship case on the other hand. And so the first step is always securing documents. And in both cases, the documents need to be legalized and apostilled, and they need to be translated. Maybe a difference is that when you apply for citizenship at the consulate, the documents just need to be regularly translated. So like even if you speak Italian yourself to a high enough level and you can write it at a decent enough level, you could technically translate it yourself. Correct. If you're in your home country. Um, whereas if you apply in Italy or a country that's not your country of origin, um, that doesn't have the same language, official language of the nation, that would require then, I think what you were getting to, official translation. Exactly. So if you apply, if, you, if you're an American citizen who live in the U.S. and your documents are American, and if you are fluent enough in Italian to be able to translate documents, then you can just go to the to your citizenship appointment with the consulate with just regular translations, and then the consulate, the day of the appointment, will certify your translations. So they will check the accuracy of your translations and they will certify them. If you pursue citizenship via the court system instead, uh, of course, judges 
unlike consulates, they do not speak English or they're not required to speak English. So your documents need to be not only translated, but the translations need to be certified. And this, I'm assuming, would also be the same case if you were to apply in Italy, even for Yure Sanguinis. Correct, yes. Your documents need to be translated and certified before you even start the process. Basically just under the assumption that whoever is going to be dealing with the documents doesn't speak English as they're not required to be able to process documents in English because English is not uh, one of the officially recognized languages of the nation. So to just quickly recap before we really go on further, basically at the beginning of the process, while you're just in this very initial stage of confirming that you're eligible for citizenship in any form, whether it's through a 1948 case or through a, just a traditional Yure Sanguinis case uh, or a petition application, um, that you have to gather all of these documents and gather certifications in the proper way for where you will be applying. If you're applying in America, you don't need those certifications um, because the consulate will do that. But if you're applying in Italy, you'll have to get those translations certified in a different manner. But just one question that I think people may have is will those translations or the certifications of the translations, I should say, will those cost extra? Um, is it beyond the normal processing fee from the consulate or the comune? Well, if you apply at the consulate, um, the fee that you pay when you apply for citizenship, which is 300 euros, that one does include the certification of the translations. Whereas when you apply, when you pursue citizenship in court, then you have to get your own translations before you start the case. And of course, you have to pay for the translations and you can get the translations certified either by the consulate, but you pay those costs separately separately to the consulate, or you get the translations certified in court in Italy, not the court of Rome when you actually where you file the case, but like any local court. So, for example, when Italian Citizenship Assistance um, will be helping somebody through this process, ICA will be doing the translations themselves and then go and get the uh, the translation certified for your client base, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, basically what we do is we mail all the documents to Italy, to our Italian office, and then we take them to a local court, which is normally the local court in Rovigo, and then we get the translations certified by the court. So we pay the court to get this translation certified and the documents and the certified translations are at this point ready to be submitted in court in Rome along with your initial petition. Just to move on to the actual process of going through the courts, would you say that it's roughly the same for everybody or are there different situations that you seem kind of fitting into certain boxes, so to speak? Yeah, as we said before, if in your, in your Italian line there is a woman whose child was born prior to 1948, then you technically do not qualify for citizenship, but you can still pursue citizenship via the court system. Now, we have identified three major categories. Uh, of people who have a 1948 case. So the most common and simple is the one where your, for example, great-grandfather was born in Italy and emigrated to the US, and then your grandmother was born in the US. And then your mother or father were born in the US prior to 1948. In, in this situation, 
you do not qualify for Italian citizenship, but if your great-grandfather was still an Italian citizen when your grandmother was born, then you can petition the court and successfully get citizenship in court. The second category would be the one where um, the great-grandfather was not Italian. So the only Italian ancestor that you have is great-grandmother because your great-grandfather was Irish or... Uh, Whatever, some exactly. a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> so the only Italian ancestor that you can use is your great-grandmother. And by the way, this is quite uncommon because normally, you know, like women, Italian women, used to get married uh, back then with Italians. But I say there are situations where I've seen like women getting married to foreign citizens. So if your great-grandmother is the only ancestor that you can use, or for example, if you, your great-grandfather is Italian, but he became naturalized before the birth of his child, then you have to use your great-grandmother. And as long as she was still Italian and not an American citizen when her child was born, then you have a case that can be successful in court. The third category would be the one where both your great-grandparents were from Italy, they both, be they both became US citizens prior to the birth of their child, but the woman became an American citizen involuntarily as a result of her husband's naturalization, which is what happened before 1922. So before the 1922 Cable Act, women, under US law, became naturalized automatically with their husband, either when their husband became naturalized or when they got married if their husband had become naturalized before the marriage. So this is similar to a Yure Sanguinis case where um, the child of an, Italian, of an Italian citizen who naturalized, if that child was born in a Usoli country where they uh, involuntarily gained citizenship without an oath, they could hold both Italian and American citizenship. So because she never voluntarily swore this oath to a foreign nation, so that's the reason why she was able to carry both Italian and American citizenship technically in a retroactive manner. That is correct. But uh, in the case of you know, the child born in a foreign country, the law, the Italian law specifically says that that child uh, could hold dual citizenship. But in the case of the woman that got US citizenship involuntarily, the law, the Italian law did not say anything. Uh, and that's why you have to petition the court to argue that your great-grandmother became naturalized involuntarily. And it's a combination of the fact that she became naturalized and that her child was born prior to 1948. And that's why you have a 1948 case, not only because the woman's child was born prior to January 1st, 1948, but also because um, she lost her Italian citizenship when she became an American citizen, not voluntarily. So there's one other little thing, I guess it's not one of these categories, but somewhat related to a few of them uh, that I've heard about where a person would be forced to go through a 1948 case because they're, even if they had both a great-grandmother and a great-grandfather who were born in Italy, just for whatever reason, they can't track down any information about their great-grandfather, they can't get his um, birth location or any documents pertaining to him and his Italian status. So because of that, then they're kind of forced to go through the female lineage. 
but would you say that's maybe a little bit more of a rare situation? It's generally you can find documents or that's not so uncommon? I'd say it's a little bit uncommon, but I've seen that happen. Like when you cannot find documents for your great-grandfather for whatever reason, maybe because they came, your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother from different places. So you can find documents for your great-grandmother, but you cannot find any documents for your great-grandfather. In that case, um, it may be worth considering pursuing Italian citizenship through the female. And so to answer your question, yes, that's another uh, box, if you want to call it. So one thing that I think that we haven't really mentioned yet, which I think is actually a really big, um, I don't know if you'd call benefit, but an upside to this way of applying for Italian or petitioning for Italian citizenship to try and acquire Italian citizenship is that the, the petitioner actually doesn't have to even be really that involved. Uh, basically, because they need an Italian lawyer to do this, that they don't actually, in most cases, have to be present, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so, I guess going on as well, so let's maybe get a little bit more into the proceedings of it. Like, how do you even start this? How do you get the attention of the court to even be able to go and have a court date? I know that this is something that you, along with the other Italian citizenship assistance lawyers, uh, handle on a very regular basis. So what is it that you and the other lawyers who are part of the legal team do when you're actually pursuing this, helping um, your clients actually to move forward? What we do when we have all the documents and translations ready to be presented in court is we write a petition and we file the case with the court along with all the supporting documents. To answer your other question, the petitioner or the petitioners do not have to be present at any time during the process because they are represented by an attorney and their presence is not required. What happens after we file the case is the president of the court assigns a judge to the case and the judge will then set the hearing which we have to attend on behalf of the client and normally one hearing only is required so during the hearing you briefly discuss the case with the judge and after the hearing the judge will just render the final judgment no. from this description it sounds like a very quick process but uh, this can happen over the course of few months so generally from when you file the case, it will take a month or two for the court to assign a judge to your case. And then your judge will set the hearing and depending on the schedule of the judge, your hearing could be just a couple of months after and even six or more months after. So there's more than one judge that handles these types of cases, it sounds like. Yes, there is a whole section within the court of Rome that, deal with, that deals with um, immigration law. And so there's just a certain number of judges within this section that will handle citizenship cases. So I'm not sure how many judges right now there are in that section, but it depends also on how many judges in a certain period of time are handling citizenship cases. Uh, to determine how long your case will take, probably. And then just one thing to go back to what you were saying, because you said something that I found very interesting, because you said petitioner or petitioners. So does this mean that it's possible for multiple people to use the same judge, the same court date? Yeah, so anyone who share the same ancestor 
can join the process. So any descendant of that specific person could be a co-petitioner. So if you have siblings or cousins, aunts, adult children, minor children, they can all be in the same process as long as this, they share the same ancestor. And the process is one, regardless of the number of co-petitioners. So we file just one petition, uh, then the set of documents needed to support the case is one, regardless of the number of co-petitioners. And the court date is one, regardless of the number of co-petitioners. And the final judgment will also be one. Uh, so there's, because there's only one one appearance that needs to be made, one court case that needs to be made, um, this sounds like it's also a way of saving money. We actually have a lot of clients who budget-wise prefer to go through the process with family members. That's actually a very uh, smart choice when you can get other people on board. And does something similar go for when you are applying through a consulate or a municipality that you guys can share documents or is that a little bit more difficult or different? That depends. So when you're applying for citizenship at the consulate, you can share the documents only when you and your family members apply through the same consulate. Like if you all go through the San Francisco consulate, then you can basically file a joint application but each adult applicant needs to pay the consular fee. Whereas when you file a court case and you are co-petitioners, you pay the filing fee only once. And by the way, the filing fee is approximately a little bit lower than 300 euros right now. Oh, so it's significantly lower in cost as far as that processing fee. Exactly. That's just the processing fee for one person at a consulate. Whereas at a Comune, it's a very different pricing scheme. The Comune is also different because all of the people who are interested in applying for citizenship in Italy need to travel to Italy. And while there is no fee to apply for Italian citizenship in Italy, um, actually there is a very low fee that you have to pay. But um, the, the cost is trip to Italy. So if multiple family members want to apply for citizenship in Italy, altogether they all have to travel to Italy. So let's say that it's much more convenient to be a group of people applying for citizenship if you're filing a court case or if you're applying through the same consulate, not if you're applying through different consulates, for example, consulates, because that requires separate set of documents to be presented to the different consulates. Right, I know, I can think of one person in particular off the top of my head who I know um, that they had to apply in one consulate in America and a sibling and a parent had to apply in another consulate, but they all needed the same documents. So they had to order duplicates and they had to get the duplicates translated and duplications of the certification. So it's like, it's just, it adds to these extra costs if you are living in different areas, which is, in America, not uncommon for families to be a bit more spread out, unlike in Italy, where families very much tend to stay in one place. Right. You have multiple generations, same building, same block, just right there, <laughs> or at least the same town or same little area. Uh, but that's, I guess, just a more of a, a, a cultural difference between Italian Americans and Italian, homegrown Italians, so to speak. But when is there anything else that really comes up during these court cases or is that really everything that a person could expect to go through well normally uh like i said before one hearing is sufficient but it could happen that the judge uh requires 
two hearings. It's very uncommon and very unlikely that that happens, but it's possible. But if that doesn't happen, it's just a very straightforward process because you file the petition with all the documents, you attend one hearing, and then you or just the wait. Attorney does it on your behalf. Attends the exactly the attorney goes, and then you just wait for the final judgment we rendered. And so once that final judgment is rendered, because I know there's a little bit of a there's there's a couple of pieces to that puzzle. Once the judgment is rendered, how how does that all go? Yeah, n- normally that's what people do not know. Like what happens after I have a judgment that rules in my favor? Uh, am I an Italian citizen at that point? And the answer is not yet, because that final judgment needs to be registered and it needs to be registered in Italy in a specific municipality, which is normally the municipality where your ancestor was from. And unless you reside in Italy, uh, if you are an American citizen who resides in Italy, then the judgment will be registered in your town where you reside. But if you do not reside in Italy, or if you have never resided in Italy, then uh, it's necessary to use the town of birth of your Italian ancestor, the one that you used. So we have to register this final judgment. Normally, it needs to be registered through the consulate. Sometimes the municipality will allow you to register the final judgment or us to register the final judgment directly. But mostly you have to go through the consulate. Along with the final judgment, we need to register the birth certificates of the petitioners in the town, which we get back from the court once the case is over. So basically we're registering two things, the final judgment and the birth certificate. So this goes into kind of that idea like with Yuri Sanguinis that it's a a delayed birth registration. Exactly, yes. And once that has been done, then you can be considered an Italian citizen and you can register with the AIRE and apply for an Italian passport. Are, are there any other pieces to the puzzle at the end? Or it's like, just as soon as the registration comes through, that's it, that's done, you're recognized as an Italian citizen from birth, because this is not a naturalization. Exactly. You're an Italian citizen since birth. There is nothing else you have to do, and you'll be an Italian citizen exactly as anybody else. Ah, so you have the exact same rights, and you don't have to reside in Italy, no military service, you just exist. <laughs> you can enjoy all the benefits of Italian citizenship. Yeah, and there's a, a that's a big list of benefits. It's something I've uh, made a video about on my YouTube channel, but I think it's something that might be worth talking about here on on this channel. Uh, of course, if you guys are interested in hearing anything else about Italian citizenship or um, if you have any questions, please feel free to leave that down in the comment section below. Um, I think this is anyway a good place to wrap up this subject. Yeah, anyway, hope that you've enjoyed this. And for future updates when more videos are going to be released, you can subscribe to this channel, of course, with the notification bell turned on. And of course, for future update, you can also check out the Italian Citizenship Assistance Facebook page, uh, where you'll find also more information and other articles uh, that have been written in regards to Italian citizenship. And of course, if you're needing assistance with Italian citizenship through a 1948 case, or if you have any questions and needing any help through the process, uh, Marco and his legal team are ready and there for you guys whenever you need. And you can go to italiancitizenshipassistance.com slash contact for more information. And until the next time, thank you for joining us. I am Rafael Di Furia. Of course, this is Marco Permunian. And see you all next time. Thank you. Later.